Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh. Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em Sock'em Robots here. Oh my goodness. I can't believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Well, folks, would you look at Kenny Florian today? I mean, why do you look so good today? I don't know if it's your hair. It looks like you were maybe in a sandy beach type situation. The sun is hitting you in a uh, in a very interesting way. Uh, what are we doing, kids? Sorry to make you guys wait. It's Monday, August 8th, 2022, episode 360 of the Anakin Florian podcast. What's going on with your hair, man? I mean, we're not going to bury the lead, man. <laughs> I, I think it's just uh, humidity, kid. My hair just—it's—it's uh, it's right. afroing a little bit, uh, right. and uh, I don't know. I think maybe yeah. it suits me. Who knows? But I—I I got a big forehead, and it's very shiny. I noticed that. It's its own being, to yeah. be sure. <laughs> so, uh, look like you caught a few minutes with our executive producer Cody Merrow there while you were at the PFL show in uh, in the New York City greater tri-state area, if you will. Yeah, Cody touched on this, but. Uh, um, it's very weird when you meet someone, you know, actually for the first time, you know, uh, eye to eye, but you've been talking to that person for the, you know, every week for the last couple of, you know, two and a half years. Um, so it was great to, to finally meet up with our, our, uh, star producer and, uh, he's, he's been killing the game for a little while. It's great to catch up, get a beer and get some food. Yeah. Um, and, and good old New York city kid. Yeah, somebody will be poaching Cody Merrow, but uh, that's beside the point. So why is it, though, that you haven't met him or he hasn't met Longo? It's not the pandemic necessarily. I mean, we do a radio show from a distance. You and I have been doing the show remotely away from each other well before, uh, you know, this kid born in the 1980s or 90s (laughs) arrived, right? 93, I believe it was, right? Um, So why is that? I don't know. I do think generally speaking – Societally, societally, we were at a distance even before being socially right. distanced. Uh, it's true. But you're off to Europe, and you're not going to be wearing a mask, so that's a good step in the right direction. So uh, 
You're going to Wales and all over the place. You got seminars. The PFL will be in Wales and in London. So uh, yes. people are pretty excited about your uh, your trip. I mean, you know, uh, if social media is any indicator, people are, people are very excited about your trip. Uh, that's funny. I, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to go over to the UK. Uh, never been over there uh, with the PFL. Obviously, it's been a long time since I've been over there with the UFC. See, the family's very gracious and, and excited and energetic. So uh, I think we're going to have a good time. Kayla Harrison's fighting over there. Rory McDonald. Uh, a lot of big fights over there, big names. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, Kayla Harrison just dripping with star power. One of my favorites. Yeah. Sorry oh, yeah. to anyone who was offended that uh, I question whether or not she could make 145 pounds sustainably. Uh, but <laughs> I, uh, I digress. All right. Sunday, August 14th, Wales, the Rob Taylor Jiu-Jitsu Academy. That's in Cardiff, uh, I believe. Standing room only still available. Tickets still available. Monday, <laughs> August 15th. I want to pronounce this correctly. Wolverhampton Intensity MMA. I think it's Wolverhampton. So hopefully. You I did. You it killed it, dude. Of um, course you did. Tuesday, August 16th. Birmingham Immortal MMA in Tamworth. Get out to Tamworth, folks. See your boy Ken flow. And then Wednesday, August 17th. London Stronger Fitness and Martial Arts. That's the schedule for Ken flow. Take in the PFL if you're so inclined as well. Just knock it all Take the that. fuck out. Woo. We're excited today. We're excited today uh, for a lot of different <laughs> reasons. Um, we're going to get into PFL 7. Uh, we're going to briefly touch on the UFC's middleweight championship that is coming to Madison Square Garden. Kenny is very excited about Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira on November 12th. Uh, and, of course, we'll talk about Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill and Jeff Neal and everybody else. Um, but Ken Flo's got a little bit of a heavy heart today, and so does the entire Brazilian jiu-jitsu community at large um, after the – the murder, uh, or so it appears, of Leandro Lowe, a multi-time world champion, at least yeah. to my knowledge, Kenny, one of the all-time great Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners, great human being. And um, I know this this loss just hit you profoundly, as it did uh, a lot of people that we care about. You, you got it correctly, man. Uh, Leandro Lowe is an eight-time world champion. Um, he's a guy who started off in, in a much lighter weight class, ended up winning world championships in various weight classes, uh, one of the true legends of the sport, uh, uh, competing at an elite level for uh, a very, very long time, uh, was one of the nicest, coolest guys you can meet. Um, you know, I, I didn't know him that well, uh, but I have friends who are very close with him and just speak so highly and have spoken so highly of him uh, for a very long time. And and to hear uh, of his death and the way that it went down, uh, it's just extremely tragic. It, it's one of those things uh, that, you know, if you had another star in the sport, you know, it'd be like if, if Kobe Bryant, you know, while he was playing, passed away. It, it It's kind of that level. Um, and, of course, you know, the death of Kobe was just awful. Um, uh, but, you know, Leandro Lowe was still an active competitor, had recently won the world championships, had come back right. from being not able to, to win for a little while. And, and having done that was was just amazing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it, it really is awful. I feel so badly for for his friends, uh, his family. Um, he was he was a guy that if you were from a rival school, not only did you respect him, but you loved the guy. Like he was really good friends with so many different high-level competitors from other gyms, which is very rare in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, as you know. Which is there, there, there's so many rivalries, uh, but even his his fiercest rivals just loved and respected the guy. So that that kind of gives you an indication of what of, of who he was and what he was like. So, um, you know, the, 
he was one of those guys that also influenced the sport with his passing style, with a lot of the techniques that he utilized. So uh, he was one of those guys who transcended the sport. Um, and um, I, I was very sad to hear that news. No, I know you were. And uh, my thoughts are with you and a lot of other people uh, who are profoundly affected by this. You know, I mean, my entire feed is just covered in tributes for Leandro Lowe, uh, reading directly from a report here on MMA Junkie. I guess a police officer is a suspect. Uh, there was a physical altercation between these two. Um, and I guess Lowe took the guy down and held him there once separated. Uh, this man, whose name I'm not going to mention, allegedly pulled a gun and shot him in the forehead and later declared brain dead. Just so sad. 33 years old. Um, yeah. You know, man. Um, oh, well, I think a lot of people are going to be uh, on YouTube uh, looking up Leandro Lowe and everything that he uh, brought to the game, even just in my sort of surface watching over the last several hours. Um pretty incredible just to watch him and his style and his intensity and everything else um all right today's episode presented to you in part by ufc fight pass see the best ufc fight pass has to offer on the fight pass 24 7 stream offering a constant channel of historic fight action all day all night tune and sit back and enjoy a network created by fans for fans step into our world at ufcfightpass.com all right let us get to headlines Headlines. It's time for headlines. I have some very urgent and important breaking news. Headlines. On the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. If only you guys could hear Ken Flo's mic check. We just sort of stopped down there to try to reset some things technically. Uh, and Ken Flo doing a hell of a mic check. Uh, he really gets into it. Really getting into the fucking mic check today. I know you're even more into Adesanya Pereira, though, than the Ooh. mic check. November 12th, Madison Square Garden for the Undisputed UFC Middleweight Championship. It is amazing that this has materialized as quickly as it has. Uh, if you don't know the history, there is kickboxing history, uh, extensive history between these two uh, in terms of two head-to-head -head wins for Alex Pereira. Uh, but obviously, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, but your thoughts on that middleweight championship fight and this title defense for uh, for for your guy Izzy? Is this not the fight that I've been calling for? I yeah, I, I love the fact that they're putting this fight together. Um, I, I think it's absolutely massive. Uh, I think what's fascinating is both these guys have had careers that are very similar uh, they've achieved success very early on against very good competition in the ufc they're now facing each other they have a history obviously that goes back to kickboxing um and we have israel adesanya who's been the champ for a little while now facing his nemesis a guy who could potentially uh, have that kryptonite so not only does he have to contend with the skills uh, of pereira but he has to contend with uh, that history that he has. And, you know, he has this thing um, in his mind where he has to defeat uh, the past in a lot of ways, right? He's got to uh, get that monkey off his back. A guy who has a lot of skills, a lot of power, uh, a lot of danger in his game. Uh, and I'm really curious to see if Israel, Israel Adesanya can solve that. I, I think that there's very few people who have the skills who can challenge Adesanya. Um, in various ways. Um, there's even fewer that can challenge him in the striking. Pereira is one of those guys. Um, and I, I can't wait to see it, man. Really, really fascinating fight for, for a lot of different reasons. And in many ways, Izzy is the best kind of champion, right? Because he truly wants to fight the guys that you want him to fight. 
Right. And he wants to fight the best guys. And this is obviously an appreciable challenge for him and uh, one that he's willing to take when the promotion deems it's time for him to take it, you know, uh, and he fights frequently. I mean, just an absolute workhorse. And, you know, he doesn't need to take as much damage as he took in certain fights like the Gastelum fight, right, mm-hmm. to realize great success. And obviously he's evolved tremendously since that 2019 fight. I keep saying it recently, like that fight between Kelvin Gastelum and Israel Adesanya, maybe the best fight I've ever called. I mean, just absolutely nuts. And Izzy great. obviously has had a lot of fights that have been uh, much less close since then. But can't wait to see it. And uh, as I said, good on the champion for uh, for accepting uh, this challenge and good on Pareda for uh, – for being prepared for the Sean Strickland challenge and, uh, and passing it. All right. Ken Flo is back from PFL seven. Uh, how was it being back back in the Northeast? A lot of masks up there. A lot of masks up there in the Northeast. I noticed when I was back there, there is New York city is totally different, man. A lot of masks, a lot of cigarette smoke everywhere, by the way, too. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was have a cigarette. Uh, I, d- I did not. No, no. I, I did not partake, but uh, I was I was well, I was inhaling a lot of cigarette smoke. So in a way, I right. guess I did. Um, but See, no, I like cool. the second hand. I kind of right? like really? the second hand. Like, that's all right. I'll take a little whiff of that over here. You know, give me a little buzz. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, it was good to be back, man. Uh, um, I can't. There's just always a cool energy in New York City. Ended up doing uh, the show over at the Hulu Theater at MSG, which was always fun. And, uh, you know, it was an electric crowd and, and we had some good fights. What other cigarette nicknames can you give me? Lung dart, dirt stick. Um, you know, they all sound better in a Boston accent, you know. Fucking lung dot. Fucking you like those stick. lung dots? Yeah. Oh, what, man. What are those dots? The parliament light with the fucking recess filter. If I can flick it off, it doesn't get all damaged. Um, wow. All right. You're on fire today. Monday dude. night. Well, we don't, you don't get me on prime time. Totally different thing, right? Totally different thing in prime time. Uh, uh, all right. So I want to talk about some of this PFL stuff, uh, much of which I did not see. Um, but yeah. Stevie Ray gets back to back wins over Anthony Showtime Pettis. And uh, I, as I understand it, his next fight will be for a million dollars. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right, man. Uh, he looked fantastic. Uh, again, just he was fighting with the confidence um, that uh, you could see from the get go. He was pressuring Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis certainly had his moments as well. Um, but I noticed that, you know, for whatever reason, Anthony Pettis was a little bit slower, um, you know, was certainly respecting the the takedowns and grappling of Stevie Ray, where I think it shut down his striking a little bit too much. Um, and Stevie Ray was able to capitalize on the ground uh, a few times, getting dominant positions repeatedly, uh, and ended up winning um, a, a decision against Pettis. Pettis one and four in the PFL. Is that right, huh? Uh, that is right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Or maybe not crazy, just given all that he has asked of himself over a long right. and outstanding career, you know. Yeah. Um, that's a good man right there. But congratulations to Stevie Ray and uh, another good man right there. Another, uh, you know, guy who fought in the UFC, uh, who I got to know a little bit, and I'm very happy to, to see him realize success. Uh, the same can be said for Olivier Aubin-Mercier, and he'll fight Stevie Ray. Is that right? I mean, yes. OAM, man, another guy, and call me a simpleton, right? But just seemingly went about a lot of things the right way in the UFC. And, um, you know, I don't know. I'm just happy that uh, – that he's another guy that might, you know, realize this type of financial success, you know, because he's been at it a long time. He's worked really hard. John, I, I agree. I, I think he's a guy that um, has made huge improvements since uh, leaving the UFC as well. You could see that he really has tried hard to fill in some of the weaknesses uh, in his game that perhaps he 
he had uh, a few years ago. Um, really vastly improved when it comes to striking and just putting it all together. And because of that, he's able to defeat you in a lot of different ways. He's able to adjust his style and his approach uh, for for different fighters. Uh, and I think that's been the difference with him. He has played it very, very smart. He's much more experienced now. Uh, and he'll be facing Stevie Ray in, in, in a fantastic final. Omari Akhmedov over Josh Silveta, I believe first professional loss for Conan's son, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, American top team on American top team crime, live from New York. Um, goes the distance. What were your thoughts on that fight? Exactly. Even when John doesn't have to do any homework, he just knows he, do a little he bit, did his though. homework do anyway. Just yeah, yeah. No, it, it, and you know it cold. Um, yeah, no, Josh Silvera undefeated uh, was looking fantastic on his route to to the semifinal um, and ended up losing to uh, Omari Akhmedov, his teammate, a, a guy that, you know, they were training on the same mat together at the exact same time. Uh, coaches had to be split up in American top team. So that yeah. was, uh, I'm sure, a very difficult situation. Josh Silvera had helped Omari prepare for several fights, like when he was Crazy. in the UFC. Uh, and, you know, don't forget, Josh Silvera was just a little kid running around ATT, you know, forever. So, um, you know, just a weird situation there. But Josh has a lot of potential, shows a lot of promise. But to me, it was the more experienced Omari Akhmedov who was winning rounds uh, and, and fighting just a bit smarter, was a little bit cleaner with his overall technique and approach. And uh, Omari uh, just decimated his first two guys before going to decision with Silvera. So he's looking fantastic. And he's, you know, at the end of his career. But uh, man, what a, what a way to end it! If he was a uh, if he was able to win a, a million dollars, and uh, there's there's no doubt that he's capable of pulling it off. And hopefully, Pahumpa's cashing in with some of these guys fighting for a million bucks. Uh, one of the hardest yeah. working coaches on that side, to be sure. Uh, and then our guy Rob Wilkinson, right? He will fight for the million dollars as well. Uh, how many wins in a row for Rob Wilkinson? Do you know off the top of your head since the Israel Adesanya fight? Eight, eight. And oh, it's crazy. It's fighting out of Sonya. I mean, I know obviously there have been divisional changes and everything else, but uh, another guy you got to feel good for. And, and, and you got to also count, you know, his, his his pro boxing and his kickboxing fights that he had as Maybe well. Maybe I have those in there. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So it's amazing that he has done whatever it takes to get better. Has gone and trained with Israel Sonya, his first uh, opponent in the UFC. He is vastly improved, John. Uh, and absolutely massive at 205 pounds. It's crazy that he has been able to um, cut, that he was able to cut to 185 pounds at one point because he looks huge at 205. He's so clean with his technique and then showed that not only is he clean with his technique and, and technical, but he's got durability, heart, and a hell of a chin. So he's going to be really tough to beat. Um, you know, right now I have him, have him as a favorite probably heading into this fight against Omari Akhmedov. But, uh, man, I, I think those guys are going to throw down. He's fighting exciting as well. I don't see that one going the distance, but uh, that one's going to be a tremendous one as well. All right, lots to be excited about there. 5-0 uh, and oh in MMA since the Adesanya loss for Rob yep. Wilkinson. A couple of kickboxing wins uh, and a pro boxing win uh, as well. At Anik Florian Pod, uh, Lung Dart, Dirt Stick. I mean, Cody, <laughs> you can't fucking Google and give me another one before we get off the air today. I love you. Absolutely love you. All right, UFC <laughs> Fight Night. Santos versus Hill. I did not watch it live. I just watched Jeff Neal's handiwork like half an hour before we came on the air. Um, but let us begin with Jamal. Sweet dreams, Hill. Uh, I'm a big fan of this man as a light heavyweight contender, and I think promotionally he gives you a lot with which to work. Um, certainly, I'm sure you see things that can be improved uh, cardiovascularly and otherwise, but uh, 
Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill, man, that fourth round was awesome, super accurate, uh, and and put away a guy in Tiago Tiago Mahetta Santos who came very prepared and uh, and very you know willing to sort of go out on his shield. I agree. I think that this was a Tiago Santos that we haven't seen in quite some time. We, he has taken a very conservative approach uh, in in previous fights. Uh, and whether it was Jamal Hill bringing out the best in him and bringing that style and forcing him to fight that fight, or whether it was him, you know, trying to go out there and get a win by finish again, um, you know, I, I thought it was a solid performance for him. The problem is, is Jamal Hill was just too good, right? I mean, he he found a way to not only counter, but to move forward and force Santos to fight him. Uh, his left hand was just uh, money all night. I, I think that uh, he did a good job of staying just out of range uh, and still allowed him to land some really good strikes against uh, Santos. He was great with his defensive wrestling and his ability to get back to his feet. Um, so Jamal Hill is looking really, really sharp right now. Uh, he's going to be a tough guy to beat. And uh, again, a guy who has shown a lot of promise and fulfilling a lot of that potential that we, uh, we all, we have all seen. All right. No more cigarette nicknames in the private chat. Cause dude, just fucking put bots, Lucy's and coffin nails. I oh, saw that's great. coffin nails in there. <laughs> I don't, I didn't hear a word you said about Jamal Hill. So I gotta, I gotta rewind it or make you say it again. Fucking coffin nails. All right. No more. Because <laughs> out of focus. That's good. Ray Longo's coming up here in a couple minutes, and uh, we haven't even gotten to uh, King Mohammed Usman. Um, I- but Jamal Hill, Kenny, right? Like sometimes promotionally, right? There's a result that maybe you could see as more favorable, right? Tiago Santos has fought for the title, has headlined myriad times in the UFC. Jamal Hill is oncoming, um, certainly has a, a big personality that fills up the room. And he's a plus athlete, to say the least. Um, as you sort of spin Jamal Hill forward, what do you think the ceiling is? And how do you think he matches up with, you know, the uh, the Magomed Ankalaevs and the Yuri Prohaskas of the world? Um, I, I think I think he matches up pretty well. I, I think a lot of those matches are, are, are fascinating matchups and ones that he could win. I, I think he's always getting better. He's showing that. He has confidence and he's getting more and more comfortable in that octagon. And that's always a good sign. You know, um, you know, so many times you see guys that are great in the gym. And then when it comes to pulling the trigger in the cage, they're just not able to do that. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Hill is looking very comfortable. It's looking like the UFC, uh, UFC's octagon is his home now. Uh, so that bodes very well for him. I, I think he's going to be a problem for a lot of people. I think he will fight for the belt in the near future. Um, uh, geez, I mean, a, a fight against Ankalaev would be fascinating, um, and, and that might happen. Uh, obviously, uh, you have Prohaska and, and uh, Glover; uh, they're going to be doing it uh, yeah. again soon, and um, you know that leaves Ankalaev um, waiting in the wings as well. So perhaps yeah. that's that's the route they go. That that would be a great fight. I wouldn't mind seeing Jamal Hill and Ankalaev sort of both lay back and see what happens. You know, <laughs> save your lung darts, if you will. You know, right. And not burn your lung darts, you know, right now against each other, because I think they're both two viable light heavyweight title contenders right now, really, I think, based upon uh, their body of work. And again, a lot of these guys haven't been able to put Tiago Santos away. And and eventually Jamal Hill was able to do that. So uh, congratulations to a good guy, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Uh, All right. How about Jeff Neal? So I saw his head coach, Fortis MMA's uh, Safe Saud, the week before, I guess. 
And uh, they really felt like they could put Luke away respectfully, given, you know, Luke's history as a guy who uh, had never been put away like this. Um, but I think to really stand out for Jeff Neal and sort of separate yourself from the ranking or a number and sort of be a name like Jeff Neal needed to put Vicente Luque away like this. Uh, and I thought he did it with style points. What'd you make of Jeff Neal's biggest win to date uh, in the UFC welterweight division? Yeah, definitely uh, his biggest win uh, and his best performance. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing. I think finally for me, I saw a Jeff Neal that, a lot of his teammates and his coaches have talked about. Like, that's the guy that they expect to come out every night. Um, and I think we saw, uh, again, similar to Jamal Hill, a guy who was very confident in his approach, a guy who looked comfortable, uh, and a guy that once he figured out uh, Luke, just never let him in the fight. Uh, that left hand was just like a piston. Oh. Um, it, it, it was it was beautiful stuff. Um, and, and as a southpaw, looking at another southpaw, fight i think he was doing a lot of great things out there uh and luke just didn't have the answer luke was not adjusting you know luke is so tough and he's so used to taking damage and coming back and jeff neal just consistently hammered him again and again and again with that left hand uh and and just always had an answer never really let luke uh get multiple shots in a row, right? He was never really letting him get combinations off. Uh, One shot here and there, but Jeff Neal was moving very well. He was confident. He was defensively sound. And more importantly for me, letting his hands go. That's been the biggest thing for me with Jeff Neal is letting those hands go and bringing the type of offense you expect from a guy who's that fast, that athletic, that athletic and that powerful. So, uh, not only was it his biggest win, but it was his best performance as well. So awesome, awesome job from Jeff Neal. Uh, you know, I, I had doubted perhaps his motivation or uh, his approach. You know, like when is when is the Jeff Neal that we expect going to show up? He showed up, and um, I, I, I'll put you know I, I'd get behind him for, for for the next fight for sure. Gilbert Burns is in a little bit of a tricky position or so it appears, you know, and I could probably learn more if I would get my fat ass back to the Institute of Human Performance and see Rio Santana. Um, But he can sort of command like a really big fight, the Jorge Gamebred Masvidal fight. Right. But knowing Gilbert the way I know him. Right. Staying active in a lot of respects is the best way to resonate and earn that second title fight against Kamar Usman, you know, and I, I think he wants a fight and, you know, maybe he can spin Jeff Neal around quickly because that's the fight that Jeff Neal wants. You know, if, if Jeff Neal, presumably now number five or six in the world would make some concession for Gilbert, maybe it happens on Gilbert Burns's timeline, you know, um, but there are a lot of possibilities of welterweight for Jeff Neal after uh, putting Vicente Luque away over the weekend and say what you want, um, you know, about our guy, Bilal Muhammad, who's, who's ceiling, I think, is championship. Um, you know, he didn't put Luque away over five rounds, and Jeff Neal did, and Neal also has a head-to-head win over Bilal. So a lot of interesting things happening and marinating at 170 pounds. All right, it is time for uh, for the star of the show, I guess. Is that what we're calling him, the star of the show? Uh, let's get to the Ray Longo minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now you see why he's the star of the show. You look look very, you look very perturbed. I was trying to talk to my friend, Kenny Florian. (laughs) You weren't jealous, were you? 
Well, hey, I mean, uh, I, I certainly didn't lose your number when I went to uh, the Greater Long Island. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I had tickets, too. Greg Savage, had, you know, got me. T- I just, I had to go out to eat. I had too many things to do. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. I should have came down. Looked like a good card, though. Yeah, that was some good fights, man. So, uh, breaking news, Ken Flo does not text Ray Longo when he goes to New York. <laughs> and Ray Longo, he didn't even attend UFC, you know, in his backyard. Yeah. So, it's hard to think that he's going to make his way to the, the, the Hulu Theater for the right. uh, professional fighters. But, you know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, what's been going on, kid? I mean, we've been looking for other uh, nicknames for cigarettes. You know, we got Lung Dart. We got Dirk Stick. Uh, and then... <laughs> Somebody said uh, coffin nails. You know, can you pass me one of those fucking coffin nails? Fucking Jeez, one of those. I know. Ooh. I know. That's pretty brutal, right? That's bad. Who, I know who you're came not up a with, cigarette guy. Yeah, who uh, came up with coffin nails? The internet, I believe. I mean, oh. Cody Merrow. At Cody Merrow on social media if you're a single woman in the uh, New Jersey area. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with the Brits. They're just... <laughs> That's right. That's what yeah. they call them there. Pass me uh, a... Yeah. So, uh, so did you see Mohammed Usman, uh, win the ultimate fighter with that? As Michael Bisping called it, cheeky left hook, a brilliant commentary. I mean, yeah, I don't, was that even, was it a hook? It was like a, like a stiff arm, maybe, no? Amazing. Can't flow. I mean, that short little weapon, right? I mean, he's got to have some. Some power because that it, thing didn't even, even turn that hook over. I mean, I don't know no, what I was that, looking at. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I actually went, I had to go back and look at it. I was like, did this thing even land? It looked it was yeah. like an all at arm punch. But then when you heard the sound, you're like, my goodness, it yeah, sounded yeah, like yeah. a shotgun. But uh, I, I was really happy for, for Mo. You know, he, he's a guy that. Um, you know, lost his, lost his kid. Uh, you know, you heard that story, just a, a heartbreaking story, really? man. Um, was fighting over in the PFL, you know, had you know, struggled over there a little bit and to see him put it all together, uh, and get that win. He, he's one of the, one of the good guys in the sport and, um, landed a beautiful shot there. And even the, the fight really wasn't going his way. And he battled back. Without that a doubt. University there. That was awesome. It was almost like the other guy was just so. He bought like he was. He knew the guy had power, and the second anything tapped him, he was out. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way it looked like to me. Just I'm out of here because it didn't. But you're right though. The sound definitely was. Yeah, the audio was crazy because it didn't look like he did anything. But when you're strong, you're strong. Man. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm excited to see what he can do. I think a lot of his heavyweight contemporaries are excited to uh, to see what he can do as well. Nice injection into the heavyweight division. Hey, what did you think of Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill, Ray? Did you see the main event? Phenomenal. I like him, man. Great I boxing, too, man. great yeah. range. He, uh, you know, didn't look like, look, he took a vicious striker like um, Tiago Santos and turned him into a wrestler. So he's got something going on. And I think that was the problem in the fight. Once you can't really get the takedown, or if you do get a takedown, the guy gets back up. That's not a guy you want to be standing in front of with your arms feeling a little tired. But you could see there was a big difference in the uh, the technicality. I mean, Tiago, for a guy that's been around for a while, was just swinging from his ass for the fences. And this other guy was, you know, a little more patient and calculated. And I, I like what I'm seeing. He's definitely yeah. will be fighting for a title for sure. Yeah. So uh, I've had my head in the sand a little bit as far as the mixed martial arts world is concerned. It was a busy month of July, a couple pay-per-views, ABC show. So uh, I know there was a lot that happened in your world, particularly in Vegas, Dana White's Contender Series last Tuesday. So uh, 
if you'd be so kind as to uh, fill the Minutemen and everybody else in as to how it went down. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Campbell came out guns blazing, which we knew he would. You know, he's a he's a savage. You know, uh, he does go for it. That's what Dana wanted. I, I almost think Dana riled him up too much in the back because I already gave everybody a speech and looked like he just forgot about any sign of defense when he had him hurt. You know, which is a like a kind of a rookie mistake, I guess. You know, but uh, he definitely showed that he. He could hurt, you know, he could hurt you for sure. So I think right. he'll, be, I think he'll get a call back on that. He's an aggressive guy. And, uh, you know, if you had to go out like that, I think it was quick and he'll bounce back from that. Whereas, you know, we were talking about Luke, that was a prolonged beating that that's going to be a tough one to come back from. Like it's not even like he got knocked out. His body just quit. Cause you could yeah. see him. He stumbled a bunch of times. Yeah. Definitely a tough guy, but man, he took, he took big shots consistently, and that's going to be a, a, a problem. I think for Charlie, sometimes those one-punch knockouts, you know, you you get away with it a little bit. It's a little different than just sitting in there for like 15 minutes and getting a, a beating, you know, minute by minute. You know, you bring up the end of that Jeff Neal Vicente Luque fight, and because it is Dominic Cruz's fight week, I love the no-nonsense Keith Peterson, right? But how can you look at the end of that fight and not suggest that Keith has a longer leash than he did for Cejudo Cruz. How can anyone look <laughs> me in the eyes and say that his style hasn't evolved to whatever degree? Well, How? We can, let's thank Dominic Cruz for that. Okay. All right, got... Cruzy. If you're listening, Dom, on a Monday, if you're Dom, fine thank, thank you very much. Thank you, Dom. Yeah, so you, um, Dom. Dom's listening to the Spanish version of the Anakin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Spanish yeah. version of the Anakin yeah. Floyd podcast. Actually, that is a great idea. That is a great idea. You're giving me thoughts here. There Kenny, you, you can't do this show. You can't. Can you do it in full Spanish? Uh, that, right now, right now. I'd probably be more confident doing it in Portuguese than Spanish right now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And Ray, do you speak any secondary language to any fighters? I, I would have, you've had a lot of Asian fighters in your, in your gym. I wonder how much of, of their native tongue you ever learned. No, uh, no minimal. Would I do? There's so many different languages now. Yeah. I just picked up another Georgian kid who grew up in Russia. He looks like he's five and oh, he looks like a killer. And he comes in with a guy that speaks eight languages except English. So it, it's a night. It's a, no, no, Kenny, I got to tell you, it is, you know, then you pull another guy. I don't even know what language this. I, it was crazy. I mean, but it, there's a lot of different languages in here. And, Ray, Ray speaks no, martial arts. That's the most important thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You, know what's funny? you know, I'll tell you, you know, what's funny. No English. And there was nobody in the gym Saturday. The kid came late. And I worked out, and then I, I held for him. Didn't need one because he's he's that good standing up. Didn't even need to say anything. That was that's the that's the beauty is that that's a universal language, you know. So you could even demo it, and if you if you've right. been around for a while, you know what's going on anyway. You know what I right. mean? So that worked out really good, way better than they thought. All right, so. A lot of different things I want to get to as far as your fighters are concerned. Um, and again, we appreciate you joining us. A little Monday, a little primetime Longo if you're on the video hey, side. Wait. Looks like Longo just got through a workout. Some, uh, uh, some I'm, I'm boric, the, the, uh, you know. Gym is hard. I mean, it is. Uh, it's 120 it's degrees in there. It's brutal. Yeah. Absolutely uh, brutal. So yeah. I'm in the AC now. I'm in All the right. AC, so I feel good. All right. 12 days from now, you'll be in Salt Lake City, Utah with Marab Dwalish Willie. In the opposite corner 
uh, the king of Rio de Janeiro, Jose Aldo. Just get all excited, right? Ken Flo's former opponent, obviously, Jose fight. Aldo, the legend in the crosshairs of Marab. We've spent so much time on this show talking about Marab getting these big fights. He finally has one. Do you know what the betting line is as it stands here 12 days out? Oh, man, I uh, no. I'm going to say that Aldo is a slight favorite. Your guy is slightly favored. Wow. Okay, so they went the other way. Nice. Well, he's ready to – I mean, look, I – I didn't see him much this camp. I talked to Aljo. He's been, you know, doing his thing down in Vegas. But I saw him, you know, when I was there with uh, Bazooka, and then he was here from a little bit. But he's he's definitely raring to go. He's a hundred percent raring to go. It should be an interesting fight. What type of fight are you expecting? I mean, uh, just Marab just going balls total, to the wall. Total chaos. Yeah, total right. chaos. That's what I'm expecting. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, and then uh, maybe potentially Abu Dhabi for Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw. Anything uh, on that front for us? No, we'll we'll take that right after Marab's fight. Right now, Aljo's really concentrating on Marab, and so is everybody else. So uh, right after that, it's all, all about Aljamain Sterling. All right, a couple other things before we let you fly. Uh, Dominic Cruz fighting Marlon Chito Vera this weekend. Fascinating main event, uh, given where both men are respectfully uh, and respectively at this stage of their careers. Uh, Cruz, obviously, with a couple of wins, and now he's back in title contention. Um, Chito's about a two-to-one favorite. I guess I'm just curious your thoughts on the main event and ultimately which way you're going. Man, two-to-one favorite. Uh, I think that's a little out of line. I, 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 somebody's winning by decision. I don't know who. Oh, I don't, you I, think it's going twenty-five minutes, huh? Oh, it's and it, oh, it is twenty-five. It's a, it's five that's rounds. A, yeah, it's a main event for you. Uh, get that main event money. You know, twenty-five yeah. minutes. Twenty-five minutes. 25 Marlon Vera pesos. minus two ten. Dominic Cruz plus one eighty. Ken Flo can't save you now. He's reserving his prediction. Yeah. Man, that's a. You're surprised it's that wide. Yeah, I'm surprised it's that wide. Number uh, almost always seems to favor the younger guy in these matchups yeah. of contenders. Uh, well, Cruz, and, yeah, Cruz has saved himself. He's got the he, look. He's got the footwork and movement. If he can keep that up for 25 minutes, I think it's enough to. Uh, I don't think he could hurt Cheeto, but I think he could frustrate him. So. Uh, yeah, he's listen. Cruz is a smart fighter. I'm sure he's got something worked out, and he's. I, I don't know. I like. I got to tell you, I like Cruz by decision in that fight. All right, you're on the record. Juicy, juicy main event in San Diego. More on that coming up in the uh, main event challenge. Hey, before we let you go, I know you've seen sort of the tributes pouring in for Leandro Lowe, uh, the former Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner who uh, was seemingly murdered in Brazil. I don't know if you've talked to Matt Sarah or anybody else, no. or if you have anything, but. Uh, I know weighing heavy on Ken Flo and a lot of people out there that uh, that we care about, you know. And how did the murder happen again? It looked like it was sort of a, an altercation. Yeah, uh, uh, well, I heard one report said uh, he was at a club and some guy s- swiped a bottle off of his table and he you know, went to stop him. A fight broke out. He neutralized the guy, took the bottle back to his table. The guy apparently was an undercover police officer, came back shot him in the head, uh, may have shot him another couple times, killing him. Um, so again, you know, you hear these reports, it's still early. You never know, you know, how much truth is associated with it, but just an awful, awful Man, report. That- a guy who's the eight time world champion. One of the nicest guys, literally like 
uh, the, he was the guy that everybody looked up to, you know, um, just, I'm trying to think he'd be like a Daniel Cormier. It'd be like if Daniel Cormier was, you Man, know, I gotta tell you that, that is really unfortunate, but it doesn't sound out of, out of order with Brazil. Yeah. I mean, the, the yeah. car, you know, listen, when you can't rely on the cops, man, you understand like the freedoms you have over here. But I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know the facts, but I'm not, I probably, I, I'm agreeing that probably is what happened. And that's a damn shame. If nobody, yeah. if nobody's held accountable for that, that's a shame. Cause I, you know, that's not the first time we've heard that, Kenny. I think, nope. I think Kenzo's brother, they killed him in jail. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, exactly. it's not a, and I don't think that was another inmate. You know, so yep. uh, I hate to hear that because I tell you, like, it's yeah, that that's not the place you want to be fucking around tell you yeah. right now. It's just not the place you want to be screwing around with anything. And again, I think you makes you really thankful for having law and order, you know, as much as we're always complaining about stuff. But it's still not like that. You know, man, that's a very, very unfortunate. I didn't know the guy was an undercover cop. Yeah. Hey, so you think in 2023, most likely for Chris Weidman's return? Uh, I mean, it looks that way, man. He, he was good while he was here, but he's having, he had trouble with some movement. So what are we in now? Uh, yeah, we're looking 2000, yeah, 2020. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Early, yeah. probably. Because I All think right, this last operation was supposed to clear up a lot of things. Right. But he definitely was having trouble moving certain directions. I, I held pads for him just once when he was here, but... That's what I remember. Right. How about when we were just catching a minute at your gym and Bruce Buffer uh, had to get in the eight-minute workout? Oh, everybody's greeting the Godfather right now. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, man. Sorry you know, that. 10 of 6, you know, a couple early. Yeah, you guys you are know. a little early for this 6 o'clock showdown. You know, I love good. my people. I'm a man of the people. <laughs> you are, man. <laughs> so, so we good. had a moment at your gym after dinner. Uh, we're, we're taking it all in, and Buffer's doing a workout as we're all oh, just yeah. having a little conversation. I have video proof. No, the buff was out of control that night. No, oh, Kenny, he was, he was. Yeah. Kenny, you I, remember the time I, I, the we were. Do you Ray, remember are the, the bags still standing over there? Did he knock them <laughs> off? The, I mean, he's got some power. That guy. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Kenny, you remember the time we were, I think we were coming back from Australia. And he, came, <laughs> I was with you and he goes flying by us, just walking. <laughs> and Kenny turns to me and goes, Bruce loves Bruce. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that meant, but uh the buff was out of control that night. I really thought yeah. he was. I give him an A plus. I really enjoyed. Oh, it. I thought we just. I don't know. It's the simple things for He's me. He's a right funny now, dude. I swear He's to God, it really dude. is. That night to <laughs> me was just hit at the right time where I got to chill out and relax. There's no, no rushing. It was perfect. Didn't have to go anywhere. So jealous. Of early. No, no. Right it was really. Backyard. It was a really nice time. It really was. It's Amazing awesome. Italian meal, and of course, somebody uh, sent over a bottle of red wine, presumably because Buffer was there. So yeah, he was he was yes. fucking tilted by the end of the night, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. All right, hey, uh, well, you know, as they say, you know, have a have a great day and a better evening. And uh, unless you've got anything else burning, so is Salt Lake City your next travel? Is that right? No, no, I have. Uh, so I leave Sunday. Oh, that's right. Nas. Yeah, I got Nas, Nas. Oh, yeah. Let's shout out to Nas. Whose world is this? Right, Nas? Yeah. Let's go, Nas. Yeah, Nas is looking good. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you, I thought all three guys would get on the show. So we're down to Nas. But Nas is he's technically really, really, he's a solid kid. And I think you're going you're gonna to like watching him fight. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, a week from tomorrow. Let's go, Nas. Yeah, come on, man. One guy. One guy's got to get in. Got to get it done. Team Sarah Longo. 
We'll see you uh, in Utah. Have a safe trip to Vegas. And uh, I guess I'll see you in uh, less than a week, my man. Very good, guys. All right. All right. I feel like I was a little flat today. but uh, Oh, do you? We'll, I mean, we'll, well you can certainly. Yeah, well, we just, you know, you elevate the entire room. You know, rising tide lets all boats. <laughs> all right, guys. Take it easy. See you, Ray. See take it, it easy. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of questions for him, you know. I mean, that's some that's breaking news on Chris Weidman, you know. Sometimes he yeah. doesn't even know he's breaking news, you know. Chris probably like, Ray, could you not talk about the condition of my leg right. on the Anakin Florian podcast if you don't mind? Tell me I can't move certain ways? Come on. Not a breaking news platform. If there are fighters you would periodically like to hear from on our show, uh, by all means, you can let us know at Anaclorium Pod, and uh, we'll try to get some of those athletes to you uh, in short order. But now joining us. Oh, are we excited to have this guy? He went to the commission convention in Niagara Falls. So this guy's got a lot to say. Uh, the esteemed reporter, content editor from TSN, Aaron Bronstetter, uh, newly minted nominee for Mixed Martial Arts Journalist of the Year, and deservedly so. Uh, appreciate the time, my man. What's going on? Hey, not a whole lot. And I, I appreciate the shout out for the nomination. I, I heavily discourage people from loading up multiple accounts and voting for me. That would be ah. unethical. I don't want anybody yeah. to do that. So if you're thinking of loading up all kinds of burner accounts to vote for yours truly for the World MMA Awards, very, very unethical. Uh, and I, I don't suggest you do that at all. Kenny, I was actually I wasn't going to do it until he said it. Now I kind of want to yeah. stuff the ballot box for our guy, yeah. AP, you know, but uh, I know that's unethical. I, I, unethical. I, don't do it. I was going to vote for the sixth sign with my sixth email. But you know what? You can do <laughs> me otherwise. I'm not yeah. Gonna, yeah. Ken flow six at gmail.com. Exactly. How, the, how'd they know it was me? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ken Flo and I celebrate our nominations, though. Yeah. Well, right. No, as yeah. to you. Right. We're just trying to just trying to. We get voted your name for each other already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. All right. So a lot to get to with you, of course. You know, I was happy to see that. Uh, this seemingly very informative um, convention commission thing that you attended in Niagara Falls is annual. So I feel like I can uh, I can get it in next year. But uh, before we get into Chris Tognoni and the polling episode that was the highlight of your monologue segment this week, uh, what can you tell us overall about your experience uh, in Niagara Falls late July? Yeah, you know, it was great. And it was similar to the course that you took, I guess, a month prior to that with uh, your fellow broadcasters. Dean Thomas actually came down for the judging uh, part of the conference as well. Apparently, he, his flight was delayed and I think got canceled. And then he drove overnight from Charlotte to get to Niagara Falls. Now, that's commitment right there from Dean Thomas. Drove overnight from Charlotte to make it to Niagara Falls so that he could do the, uh, the judging uh, portion of the convention. Just a really, really incredible effort by Dean to make it out there uh, under those circumstances. But yeah, it was, it was really great to learn the refereeing course um, and the judging course. I had taken Mark Goddard's courses before online, which I highly recommend if you are unable to go to one of these conventions or go to a command course or anything like that. Mark Goddard's course is phenomenal, and you can uh, you can get to that on his website. But just incredibly informative, and it was fresh in my mind this past weekend when the situation happened in that Bueno Silva uh, against Edgar fight, and I was able to kind of relay that information in real time. So it was just really helpful, and I think that as you know, from a journalist's perspective, a media perspective, it's really helpful to to learn about the legislative end of things. Before this polling thing happened right in front of all of us uh, this past weekend, was there any major sort of takeaway for you? You know, for me, I thought some of the the foul language, not foul language like fuck, foul language <laughs> in terms of the way the referees operate in those situations was particularly valuable to me, I guess, as a broadcaster. But coming out of there, was there anything that either was enlightening or that you didn't know before that maybe you were even, dare I say, wrong on before? 
Yeah, you know, the one that I didn't realize that Sal D'Amato himself kind of discussed was uh, part of the three Ds from a 10-8 round. What exactly domination means, how they interpret domination, and the way that that's interpreted is looking for finishes. So if you're talking about, I guess, for example, Aljo versus Jan is one of those rounds that everybody talks about because it was a 10-9 round, that second round. Right. Uh, personally, I believe it was a 10-8 round, but he wasn't necessarily looking for the finish. So he has the duration. Does he have the damage? He was still landing a lot of strikes, but how damaging were those strikes? Then in terms of domination, is he looking for chokes? Is he looking for finishes? I would say he was, but that's where the interpretation lies with the judges to determine what is a 10-8 round and what isn't. Right. I'm going to let Ken Flo chime in here in a second, but I want to get to this polling thing. So if you missed it this weekend, it was an early fight, a submission involving uh, Maida Bueno Silva, I believe. Um, tell us what happened, if you'd be so kind, and, and ultimately how masterfully you thought it was handled by uh, the referee, Chris Tognoni. Yeah, so Myra Bueno Silva has Egger in an arm bar. Chris Tognoni's right on top of the action. Unfortunately, he can only be on one side of the action because the cage is on the other side of the action. So with the, the blind side hand, Egger taps, uh, at least seemingly, because Bueno Silva lets go of the hold, says she tapped. Chris Tognoni right. then has two options, which is you stop the fight and then uh, you, you go through the protocol of what you need to do in order to determine what the correct outcome is. Or you say, fight on, because I didn't stop the fight. Myra's not allowed to stop the fight. Stephanie's not allowed to stop the fight. Right. Nobody right. sitting cage side's allowed to stop the fight. Only I may stop the, the fight because I'm the sole arbiter of the action. So Myra Bueno Silva, let's go to the hold, says she tapped. And Myra advises Chris, you know, go look at the tape. They look at the tape and there's not a good angle. I mean, if, if the UFC doesn't have a good angle, imagine on the regional scene when you have like one, maybe two camera right, right. operators looking for action. So then if you look at the replay, one thing you can notice is if you look at the very corner, Ron McCarthy, one of the judges, is right there. Like he's right on the blind side of where Chris Tagnoni is not able to get to where the tap takes place. So what Chris Tagnoni then does is he does something called polling the officials, which is... You go cage side, you say, did anybody see what happened? Ron McCarthy says, I saw her tap. Apparently Herb Dean did as well. And then from there, Chris Tognoni has enough to go back and determine that it was, in fact, a submission. So um, that that's what he did. And I thought he hand, handled it perfectly based on the situation. And from what I had learned just a couple of weeks ago, that whole protocol couldn't have been handled better by Chris Tognoni. And Aaron, if that was uh, a situation where, let's see, the other referees uh, weren't able to see it, would have just would have just been restarted, or no, it would have, it's over. He, he had waved. It, it, it would have been. He yeah, had it waved it off already. So if he waved it off, he, even though he didn't see anything, it still would have been over. Would have been over if okay. they were unable to make a determination where the replay didn't show it. Nobody case saw sight saw anything. It probably would just be a no contest. Um, huh. I don't know how you, what, I guess you could rule it as a no contest other than just saying it's, you know, a no contest, uh, referee stoppage, but that that's probably what would have ended up happening had they not been able to determine whether or not Egger had tapped she, judging by the body language. It was pretty clear that she did. She didn't debate, you know, she didn't right. protest it at all. Right. After a little bit of time passed, she made it look like, eh, maybe, you know, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But, but how are you, you know? Kenny, how are you coaching your jujitsu players in the UFC though, right? I mean, you know, Kempo want to make sure, 
I don't want to speak out of turn, but Ken Flo's got to make sure you tap out before he's letting go. He's well, no Ustamar Poyadis, but Ken yeah, Flo's that's, what you're, that's what you're instructed to do. That's you what you're instructed to do. The referee exactly. says you, you need to. Um, I stop the fight. You don't stop the fight. So if they're tapping and I don't see it, you just hang on to that hold. My man, that's exactly right. I, I experienced that in a grappling tournament, uh, and I had gotten arm bar. The guy had tapped. Um, I let go immediately. Then the guy said he didn't tap. Eventually, we had to find someone who had a video in the tournament, which, again, was not official protocol. But, again, that stayed with me. Like, do not let go until the referee actually stops you. Uh, and that carried, that was just a grappling uh, match, not even an MMA match. So that's one of the things that stayed with me because, again, not everyone is going to be honorable and say that they tap. Right. Didn't you have to beat Kip Kip Cope twice, but that was maybe a TKO situation? It was. It was. It was. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was a submission. Yeah. It was a submission. I submitted him at the end of the round. He did tap, but uh, Herb Dean had said the round was over, and then I ended up submitting him with a rear naked choke. Yeah. So I'll beat you again because I'm just. Yeah. That's how I'm. All right. So how I'm built. So you mentioned (laughs) Dean Thomas and all of his heroism in driving from Charlotte to Niagara Falls, New York, and absolutely bless him for making that drive. And I'm not the least bit surprised because a few days prior, I was flying home with him. We both live in South Florida and he was talking about open scoring and his push for it and his agenda and his presentation and everything else. So I know it was a huge priority of his to be there. Um, did you catch any of that from him? And uh, and ultimately, where do you stand after hearing what he had to say on uh, the merits of open score? I had left. I wasn't there that day, but I did listen to it live he drove uh, on YouTube. He drove all the way, AB, and you're fucking gone. I mean, I had this... to go to Dallas. I had to go oh, to okay. Dallas. Right. You know, no, I have an excuse. So, uh, but I did get to listen to it while he was doing it, like live on on YouTube. It was being streamed, right. Right. so I listened to his uh, okay. whole talk about it. And you know, it's very insightful. It's one of those things where I don't think we're going to see it. And I think that one of the reasons is it really does take the drama out of things. Now, that's not the fighter's problem. The fighters want to have open scoring. The coaches want to have open scoring. But if you're a promotion and you want to make the sport as exciting as possible, I kind of don't blame them for not pushing for open scoring in that regard. And now, and you know, open scoring, I've seen it in boxing. If you go and watch Canelo versus Trout, that was an extremely close boxing match. But it happened to take place in San Antonio, right near the border of Mexico. And you, you see the open scoring, and Canelo's cruising. But if you're watching the, the actual boxing match itself, it was a close, a close match. But, of course, by the time it ends, you know who's won. So it has its merits, and it also uh, has its subtractions, I guess, from how people will consume it when watching live. Yeah. I, it's, there's a lot of layers, and I don't want to sort of drag the program down with all of that. But, uh, yeah, Dean seems pretty impassioned that it would solve all our problems. And, well, I think – you know, I can be swayed on both sides, but um, he didn't he didn't sway me uh, as much as he thought that day at the airport. I probably uh, <laughs> brown was him a little bit. Um, all right. Want to get your thoughts on Jamal Hill and then some UFC 278 stuff on the way out. If uh, if we can be so inclined, and of course, Cheeto and Dom coming up, I could go in a number of different ways. But, uh, you know, I'm high on Jamal Hill. Ken Flo is high on him, which I think matters even more. Your thoughts on his sort of light heavyweight ceiling after what we saw in the main event just a few days ago. Well, it seems like every week when there's a big light heavyweight fight, everybody's like, oh, that guy's got to be next. It's Jamal Hill, it's Kalaev, yeah. it's Blahovich. We don't really know. But, I mean, listen, th- that was a great fight. The thing that was surprising to me was that Santos was up on two of the scorecards because, personally, I thought you could make a case that Jamal Hill won all three of those rounds. Um, but be that as it may, 
he's an impressive individual. Really, really tough. Great striking, crisp striking. And I think the sky's the limit for him. Still quite young. And the light heavyweight division is kind of wide open right now outside of what I think is going to be the rematch next between Yuri and Glover. Right. Then you got a lot of different players. You got, like I mentioned, Blahovic. You got Ankalaev. You got Jamal Hill. So it's, I yeah. think that has to be a, a bout that takes place. And you know what? The promotion kind of has leverage because you say to all three of these guys, we're going to make a matchup. You're either in or you're out, right? So right. there's going to be an odd man out in this situation. No, you're right. With Jan Bohovic and, and Jamal Hill and Magomed Ankalaev, just say, all right, who wants to sign on the dotted line? Maybe headline on this date. I'm telling you, though, Jamal Hill goes no blunts for six weeks. No backwoods for six weeks. Wins a world title. I'm telling you, you know, put down <laughs> the blunts. Um, all right. <clears throat> UFC 278 is coming up. I have some early big fight odds for you. Have you looked at these presumably at this point in time at all? I, have, I don't have them off the top of my head, but yeah, right. I definitely. Cool. No, that's good that you don't. Um, Longo seems somewhat surprised that Jose Aldo wasn't favored. I mean, right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, Marab Dwellish Willie minus 120, Jose Aldo even money. Um, properly priced in your mind? Yeah, I would say so because I think it's one of those contests where if either one of them is able to implement their game plan, they're going to win the fight, right? Like if it takes place on the feet, I imagine that Aldo is going to win. If Marab is able to get it to the ground, which is easier said than done, as we've seen against Aldo over the years, um, you know, Kenny can attest to that. We, we see how that one's going to go. We, you know, I think Marab, if he's able to get him down, that's, he's going to win that fight. But I couldn't convince you either way as to which one of those two things is going to happen. So I think even money makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think Ken Flo is going to be on Jose Aldo at even money when he makes those predictions next week. Uh, Paolo Costa, minus 275, Luke Rockhold, plus 230. Uh, your thoughts on that matchup and, and the, I would say, prohibitive price on, uh, on Paolo Costa? God, that's such a tough one to call because there's so much information that you, you'd like to know going into it. I, I say you wait until both these guys get on the scale and then you can make a determination because both guys have had trouble making it to 105. Is this yeah. a, at 205 or is this at 185? That is going to be a middleweight fight as far as yeah. I know. So let's, let's wait until these gentlemen get on the scale before we make a prediction there because we saw what happened with Costa last time where he outright refused to make middleweight and we've seen Rockhold have trouble making it as well. In fact, Rockhold had moved to 205 up until recently. So eager to see how that plays out. But, you know... Costa hasn't looked good, of course, uh, against Israel, didn't look good. In his last fight against um, Vittori, he looked okay. And we haven't really yeah. seen Rockhold look that great in recent years either. So it's hard to make a prediction for a fight like this. You almost want to just take the underdog in Rockhold and see what happens. I was surprised. I mean, again, I write these down beforehand. I had Rockhold even given the layoff plus 170, plus 230 seemed big for me. Yeah, middleweight co-main event. Uh, and then Kamar Usman minus 340, Leon Edwards plus 280. Uh, I think I remarked that having hosted the UFC 278 press conference and being that close to Leon for the first time. He's huge. I mean, maybe I'm just fucking little. He's big. Like, his hands aren't as big as Kamaru's, but I don't know. You know, I think Leon Edwards is going to put up a fight. Um, you know, how concerned would you be if you were a Kamaru Usman super fan for this second fight with Leon Edwards? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We see Edwards standing next to Usman, and everybody's like, wow, Edwards is huge. And then you see Usman standing next to Blahovic, and it's like, Usman can make 205. It's like, a, what, 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 which is it? Which is it here? So can You're Edwards right. make 205 then? But uh, yeah, this is an interesting one, because I think on the feet, Edwards has a good technical advantage over Usman. But Usman has made no uh, secret that he's going to try to take him down. And if he's going to utilize that game plan, I, I'm going Usman by decision all day. You could probably get that at around even money. I think that's the most likely outcome yeah. of this fight. I don't see Usman getting a finish that easily against a guy like Leon Edwards. I mean, has anybody finished Leon Edwards in the UFC? I don't believe so. I think he just has um, that loss to Usman by decision. And, uh, yep. of course, um, he had one other loss, if I'm not mistaken. I guess it was Claudio Silva, if I recall correctly, and that was a decision as well. So, um, 
I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I, I don't see Usman getting a finish here. I think Usman wins by decision more likely than not. And like I said, if that's around even money, that's that's the way to go in my eyes. All right. And last thing, are you going to be in San Diego this weekend or no? I'm not going to be in San Diego. In fact, I don't know if I'm traveling until September. I might be at Diaz versus Shemaev. And if I'm not at that, I won't be till November. I'll be in New York. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to San Diego. I wish I was. I've never been to San Diego. It's a, a beautiful city year round. Apparently, even Stephen oh. temperatures year round, which just sounds tremendous to me. I mean, I feel like I've been everywhere, even though I'm in my hotel room most of the time. And San Diego, California, to this day, is the prettiest place I've ever been. Um, and well, and we'll the last event bless- predates you in the UFC, right? That was Jones versus the Janitor, Vladimir Matsushenko, uh, and well, the I, debut I did, of Charles uh, Oliveira. I did Holly Holm and Marion Renault, I seem to recall, in 2015, the lone time I was in San Diego. Oh, that was in San Diego. Okay. I thought the last card was uh, that Jones-Matruzhenko. I could I be must wrong. Be wrong. Uh, I feel we like did, it's the only time I went to San Diego. We did Mir and Duffy in San Diego. Yeah, I, I don't. Holm or Renault might not have been the main event, you know. Yeah. It might have been Mir and uh, Duffy. I think you're right. Yeah. Reference our show open for, uh, for Ken Flo's call. Um, all right. Last thing. I know you're not going to be in San Diego, A.B., but. Dominic Cruz and Cheeto Vera. Cheeto's minus 210. Dom's like plus 180. Ray Longo seemed to be surprised that Dom was that big an underdog. Talk to me, man. I mean, I know you have pretty strong thoughts on these things. Um, what kind of chance do you, do you give Dominic Cruz here uh, to try to spring the upset against uh, a very motivated, obviously, Cheeto Vera? Dominic Cruz has a good chance of beating just about anybody at bantamweight if, if he gets his game going the way that he has in the past. If, he, if his timing is on, if his footwork is on, He's a tough puzzle to solve. But as we've seen with Cheeto Vera, the thing with him is early on, the first round or two is almost a write-off for Cheeto Vera. He takes a lot of time to feel his opponents out. You saw the Frankie Edgar fight, for example. Edgar was up in that fight. It takes Vera a lot of time to kind of read his opponents. But once he gets those reads down, like he did against Rob Font, he capitalizes. And I think this fight being a five-round fight is to the detriment of Dominic Cruz. I think the longer this fight goes the better chance you give Vera of getting a win here. I think Vera could get a stoppage round four, round five, if he's able to figure out Dominic Cruz's timing, which is a lot easier said than done. But as Dominic gets older and as the game continues to evolve, not that Dominic Cruz isn't evolving with it because he's watching fights more than almost anybody else. He's, he's their cage side. He's picking up little nuances all the time. But from what I've seen from Vera, he just seems to get better and better as the fight goes on. I think he's going to be most dangerous in those late rounds. Very excited to see it play out. My anticipation for that fight is is just off the chats, and uh, we'll see. Yeah, Dom feels like that matchup actually for him uh, is more favorable, 25 minutes as opposed to 15, but we shall see. Uh, if you want more from uh, the credentialed Aaron Bronstetter on social media, uh, it's his name, at Aaron Bronstetter. We appreciate your time, my man. Enjoy those children, and uh, we will see you in September, my man, hopefully uh, in Las Vegas. Always, sir. Very excited to uh... – Watch this event in San Diego. Like you mentioned, that's a, that's a, a banger of a main event. I'm looking forward to it greatly. There he is. Aaron Bronstetter with us here on the Anik and Florian podcast. All right. I'm glad I don't have to make a prediction. It is UFC fight night, Vera versus Cruz. We will start with the pronunciation of the week as we call on, uh, on Cody. Hi, Cody. What's going on, kid? What's, what's up? going what's on? Up? Ken Flo, good to see you again, my pal. <laughs> what's up, dude? Got you the link up with Ken Flo. You guys. Well, hey, fun fun fact. Kemflo is bigger than he looks on the camera. They say the camera adds 10 pounds. I think real life has about 15 pounds of muscle. You see huh. Kemflo walking He'll down the street you up. jean cutoffs. You ain't messing with those thighs. Let me oh, tell you. Man. You end up in a triangle you. before you know it. 
uh, trying to tell you people. I mean, UFCFightPass.com, as we look back at some of his <laughs> fights, I mean, not like a nice guy. To, you know, he I ain't no Maida Bueno Silva, right? I mean, you know, 70 <laughs> acres, you can grapple Kemflo, sit at the fucking hospital, getting her arm, like, completely screwed back together. It's fucking ruthless, this kid. I'm just kidding. He's the ultimate sport. <laughs> not kidding. But, did you know that she tied Ronda Rousey for the most arm bars in female history with that? She's no way. She probably wow. knows when someone is tapping, and she was very sportswoman like. There's yeah. no doubt about it. I wouldn't do that. There's no honor in battle, is there? I mean, a jujitsu tournament, sure, but like, I ain't. Oh, phantom yeah. tap? The ref didn't stop me? We're going. We're fighting. Sorry. Yeah. Make a wish. Well, in, in UFC Long Island, I was next to Sarge <laughs> Eubanks, and she said the same thing when the, um, the Waterson tap. I was like, yeah. it's like ref didn't see it. No tap happened. Sorry about right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, Ken Flo didn't even fight when he had children. Could you imagine right now going into <laughs> an octagon? He lets go. No, oh, you know man. what? Maybe I'll snap your arm in two and get an extra 50K <laughs> for my son Archer. How about that? How about that? You know? Arch I mean, that arm the wrong way. Oh, you know? my goodness. You guys are hilarious. Notice he's not countering what we're saying. I mean, <laughs> no, because he saw my application to the Kenny Florian fan club come in. He's like, "Well, I got a president. It's time to sign <laughs> off on the next member. Let's go." Did uh, oh my did Maida Bueno Silva get a bonus? I mean, can we find out that information? Maybe you fucking crank the arm, you get an extra fifty k. Congrats to Juliana Miller, by the way, for winning the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I meant to uh, to bring her up, but yeah, if you could uh, chase that for me at some point on the bonuses, we'll see if Maida Bueno Silva was rewarded for her. Uh, for her sportswoman, like uh, she was not, she was no not. Jeff go. Neal, Muhammad Usman, Brian Battle, and Jamal Hill. Oh, how about Brian Battle? Yeah, great. Obviously, a lot of competition there. And Bueno Silva's fight happened early in the night, but you just never know. You fucking snap that on, might get that fifty k. All right, we got a pronunciation of the week. Kevlo, what do you got? You get? Oh no, I'll just laugh. I'll just laugh. Yeah, oh, I God. know. It's, it's been a long day. Um, all right. <laughs> Pronunciation like of the John, week. actually, Cody is 5'9 in person. Like, you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Not true. I'm actually tall. He is tall. All our guys are tall on the Anakin Florian. Like, honestly, you know, just, you know, be careful when you cross this Anakin Florian podcast, right? Cody Marrow's every bit six feet. Brian Petrie's a fucking monster, right? Ken Flo speaks for himself, fought for the UFC title three times. You know, Longo fucking fill up a room. That guy looked like a fucking side of a backyard shed. He'll fuck you up. <laughs> and, you know, I got cardio. <laughs> oh man, this guy, good thing Ray doesn't watch the show. Huh? <laughs> Ray and Buffer, oh, I'd be dead if Ray and Buffer watched the show back, I'd have no and you'd never know, we'd never know about it. You'd be out, they'd be bringing you out of Lake Mead when the drought gets <laughs> <you're> low. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, this is Pronun- Modelo bar- barrel. <laughs> oh man, all right, <laughs> pronunciation of the week. Wheels are off at this point. Uh, this man faces Martin Budai in the UFC's heavyweight division, uh, part of the ESPN prelim portion this Saturday at Pachanga, or is it Pachanga Arena? Either way, it's in San Diego. Uh, Cody, who's this heavyweight we're talking about, brother? So, Polish fighter, I believe, right? Which is why I'm either going to butcher this or get it close. Uh, Lukas Brzezki. It's spelled B-R-Z-E. Yeah, I'm gonna S-K-I. put it on screen for the for moving forward. Sorry, spoiler alert. I'm gonna put it on screen for the fans. Someone had a good comment on the YouTube. That is a good comment. So uh all right, well let's hear this. Uh let's hear LB say his name. Lucas Brzeski. 
Lukas Breski. 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 So is yeah, it, is it Dre or is it Dre? I know. It sounded like you said Dre the first time. Luke, the second Luke, time was Breski. If you want Lukas Breski. You know, people think I just blow smoke up Kenny's ass, but he has such an ear for these. And yes, the surname was said two different ways, so I have no idea on the last name. Why are you messing around with Lucas, though? I, I mean, you, you, how, you, you messed up the first name, my man. That's not, well, isn't, isn't it not Lucas? Lucas? Is it's it Lucas. Lucas. It's Lucas, right? Is he it, does Lucas. he say it, Lucas? Is he whitening it up? That's BS, yeah. dude. Why you know what? Sometimes I think the problem is, is like they say it the <laughs> way that they think that Americans should say it. So they're like already throwing me like a handicap. Yeah, I, that's Luke what I cost. Lucas, we may get canceled. Uh, we may get go, canceled. Oh, uh, we're gonna get, because I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go back and edit Ray, or else we're going right. to get canceled. So yeah, please yeah, do right. that, and uh, we'll see you in about 15 minutes for the Marrow Seconds. All right, you don't want the other one. Uh, you mean Mo- Mohamed Usman's uh, opponent? Correct. Yeah, so we haven't mentioned Zach's surname because we were talking about this before the show. Uh, another challenge for the broadcast team. Yeah, let's hear Mohamed Usman's uh, opponent. My name is Zach the Ripper Paunga. Zach the Ripper Paunga. 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 That'll be on screen too, and there's no, there's no N in sight. I'll yeah. promise you that oh, as the yeah. fans. Yeah. Is that a Hawaiian name? Samoan name? I don't know. That uh-huh. is. All right. Well, we got to move on. Cody, we'll see you in 15 minutes. Uh, UFC Fight Night Vera versus Cruz. Let us get to some predictions. It is time for the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Yeah! Hey! 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 you're stealing my baby face look, dude. This is trademark. Look how gorgeous. Look at that clean shave. This was circumstantial. Uh, I I had a dermatologist look at something on my face, and she said it was nothing. So uh, we just shaved for that, and now it's okay. 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 But yeah. I mean, Cody's like, oh, you've been you've been lifting or something. No, I just shaved my fat face. Uh, <laughs> so good to see you. I don't know how much of this show you've been backstage for sort of off the rails a little bit yeah. at this point in time on a Monday night. But it's good yeah. to see you. I love it. I, I I came in halfway through A.B. I miss Ray. I, I usually okay. like to see Ray, but I, I got a little behind today. So, uh, yeah. yeah, good to see you, boys. Ready to talk these All fights. Right. Great to see you, too. Um, any thoughts on Jamal Hill before we move on? <sighs> Boyd's got the dog in his chest. That dude, I mean, I was, I literally sent out a tweet. I was like, you know, cardio is not passing my eye test. And then he just dug deep. You know, I mean, the guy was stopping 20 takedowns at, at 205 pounds against a beast in Santos. Yeah, you're going to be tired. But once he started landing, because I, I felt like he was tr- had trouble finding his range and stuff and trying to find Santos's head. I wish he would have mixed it up a little bit more. He headhunted a little bit. But when he did find his range, whoo. He, yeah. He's a problem. He's nasty yeah. in there. I mean, he's a killer, and he's he's yeah. a pure finisher too. He's fun to follow. You know, yeah. can carry a fight week. Good stuff for uh, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Probably a guy we should uh, get on the Anakin Florin podcast uh, when Kenflo's having a better hair day. All right, first pick for us in the middleweight <laughs> division: uh, Bruno Silva minus two eighty, Gerald Mershart plus two thirty five. So uh, GM three, 
Well, I mean, dude, earlier we're doing like Shots cigarette nicknames, right? Adam, no, a lot of humidity where I'm at. I yeah. love it. Me too. It's cigarette so nicknames yeah. earlier. We go and, you know, dirt sticks and lung darts and yeah. Cody throws coffin nails in the chat room. It's like, I can't even fucking keep his Guy, face. Guys in Cincinnati calls them heaters. Hey, can I borrow a heater? Can I get a heater? I like heater. Yeah, heater. Yeah. I like heater. Heater's yeah. a good one. Heater no. definitely uh, is in the top five. Mount Rushmore of cigarette nicknames, if you will. <laughs> All right. Bruno Silva, Gerald Merchart. So GM3 had won three in a row uh, before he lost to Chris Jotko on points back in April. Silva, obviously, you guys know him all too well. Uh, only UFC loss came in style back in March to one Alex Pereira, uh, who, of course, is now fighting for the title. Brian Petrie, what do you have for us on this one, kid? Man, I always think GM, I feel like he's always plus money, and I always give him a good look. Like, man, this dude can do it. GM3, I mean, the guy gets beat up. He comes back and submit, you know, submit you. He's, he's, he's a dog on the ground. He's good. He's tough. And six out of seven, or six out of uh, – seven losses for Bruno Silva will come by submission. So you're like, oh, there you go. There's the stats. There's the handicapper in me. But then it's my guts telling me this big old Midwestern guts going, yeah, but Bruno Silva's got those bricks. And Jared Miskard's been knocked out before. Um, it's just it's just a really tough. I think Bruno Silva looked really good um, uh, in the prayer fight, which is a really tough guy to, to look good against. He got dropped. He showed heart. I think the ground game's obviously could be a question here, but I think GM3's wrestling is just a little... You know, he's not afraid to pull guard. I don't know if he's going to be able to use his wrestling all that much. So the value boys out there unite and hammer GS uh, GM three. So I can get the silver number down. Cause I am ice fucking cold and I need a win. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to go silver here, probably by stoppage. I don't see a decision. I see him catching them. Um, and I wish I could take the dog money. Cause every time there's a dog, I, I, I just look at it, but I'm, I'm going to go play a little safe here. He is a dog guy in more ways than one. If he ever has children, they're going to look at his Wikipedia page. And they're going to be like, man, my dad fought some absolute killers and submitted really a lot of these guys when people yeah. uh, did not expect him to. Uh, Ken Flo, your thoughts on Gerald Mershart, uh against Bruno Silva here? I'll keep it pretty short. I think there's value in, in, in Mearshart for sure. I, I think that uh, he can get it done. Uh, I, I think Bruno is a little bit too big of a favorite, but yeah. I, I, I think Bruno uh, with his striking and his ability to also be dangerous on the feet uh, will probably be the difference. I, I'd say most likely Silva by decision here. Bruno Silva is absolutely correct in the best of ways. Yes. Tough. All right. <laughs> Cynthia Calvillo, modest 150. Nina Nunez, plus 130. Uh, this fight, as you guys know, was to happen back on July 9th. Nunez fell ill on fight day. Uh, she hasn't competed since the Mackenzie Dern fight. That was a quick one more than a year ago. Uh, Calvillo on the other side, also in need of a win here, Bry. Last win for her came against Jessica I, June of 2020. Uh, what are your thoughts on Calvillo and Nunez here? So I'm glad they rebooked this because I was on Nunez, you know, a couple weeks ago as the dog money. And now that we got to see Amanda fight her better, you know, her better half, her partner, her wife, excuse me. Um, we got to see what that new training camp's like, the new head coach. And I love the adjustments that Amanda made. And I'm hoping that parlays into what Nina's going to look. I think Nina was an underrated fighter for a while. She read off four wins in a row. Dropped a loss and then had a kid and then came back against Mackenzie Dern. I think she's very, very good. And Sophia, Sophia Calbio, excuse me, she just looked unmotivated in her last fight. She's she's a tough warrior, and I thought she was going to go places. She's 35 now in the Andrew Lee fight. She looked unmotivated. Didn't look like she wanted to be there, and that's the last place you want to be fighting someone in the cage if you don't want to be there. So I'm hoping she's got her ducks in a row, whatever is happening outside the cage. Hopefully she's motivated because I think this could be a competitive fight. And when it's a competitive fight, we're looking 50-50. I'm going to go dog shot here. I'm going to go Nina Nunez 
at the dog money here. Uh, I won't let myself down if I don't take a dog shot. So I'm going to take Nunes. Yeah, no, and I think that's a good cap. Kenny, I do think it's interesting in terms of the motivation on both sides. I do believe Nina is still highly, highly motivated, and I think you'll see a good effort and training camp on the front end of it for Cynthia Calvillo as well. But I do wonder for Nunez, there's just a lot of circumstances. Like, I think the Amanda result helps Nina, but, you know, going to Dallas and being sick, a couple, I just, you know, I don't think it's like perfectly ideal for Nina necessarily sure. in terms of some of these surrounding circumstances, but Ken Flo, ultimately we need to pick. Uh, so which way are you going? Yeah, but I think after, uh, you know, canceling that last fight, I, I don't think she would fight if she wasn't feeling great. And I also think that, um, you know, like, like Brian was saying, having the new camp, I'm sure she's feeling good with Calvillo. I just don't know. Um, so I, I'm a little bit more secure going with Nunez than I am with Calvillo. Um, I'd like to see some kind of, um, I don't know, either motivation change or some kind of skill development with Calvillo where I would even go a little bit even further than Brian, where I would say she regressed on a technical level. You know, maybe there was the lack of motivation to, but on a technical level, it almost seemed like she didn't have some of those skills that she used to have before. So, and I was high on Calvillo. I think she had a lot of potential, but yeah, I, I like Nunez here as well. I think that's fair. And she has bounced around a lot. Cynthia has, and hasn't really found right. that right home. So uh, we'll see if this is it. All right. At light heavyweight, Azamat Mirzakhanov minus 170, Devin Brown Bay clock plus 145. We're only picking this fight. Cause I just love saying fucking clock, you know? So clock knocked out William Knight back in April. Uh, that was his heavyweight debut. This one back at 205 pounds for Devin clock. Uh, Mirzakhanov is undefeated. Came off the contender series. One is UFC debut 11 to no overall. Uh, but certainly long on potential as such the favorite here, Brian Petrie. Uh, what do you have for us? Yeah, Mer Merza Konoff was MMA Twitter's darling. I mean, this everyone yeah. had the Google X for him. They put him in this parlay, and he was losing that fight. And then he pulled a rabbit out of his hat, needed a Hail Mary, and he delivered. You can't take anything away from him. But I just feel like his outside work in the UFC, which I capped, was a little pedestrian. He does have a win over Andre Munez. Uh, quick knockout. That's obviously impressive. But other than that, I think it's a little bit weak. Then you enter Devin Clark, who's 13 to 6 record, doesn't jump off the page, but he's fucking fought everyone. The guy's legs are the size of a Buick, athletic. His <laughs> dad, I'm going to hire as my motivational speaker. I love his dad yeah. in this corner. Um, and, you know, he's willing to fight a heavyweight. He's willing to fight anybody. You know, he gets his teeth mangled, doesn't quit. You know, the guy's got a lot of heart. So and he's also really tricky. He's an awkward style of guy. You know, he used to be just kind of a pure grappler. I'm going to hang on to you, clinch you. Now he's knocking guys out. You know, he's finding his power. He's finding his rhythm. Uh, Merz Konoff looked a little slow in that fight. I thought his hands looked quick in the beginning, excuse me, and then slowed down significantly. You slow down against Devin Clark, the fight's going to slowly drift away from you. So I like Devin Clark here by decision. I think he's going to, you know, have maybe a rough first round and then slowly start putting things together and come back. And uh, I like his experience here. Yeah, give me Devin Clark. Devin Clark can be had a plus 145 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Ken Flo, uh, 30 foot octagon, presumably in San Diego, uh, which is probably something worthwhile to factor in on some of these. Ken Flo, what do you have for us on the light heavies? Yeah, listen, I think when Devin Clark's on his game, uh, he's a problem. He's extremely dangerous. When he's not, I feel like, uh, you know, he's susceptible to lose to everybody, anybody in that division sometimes. So um, I, I see a lot of promise with him. Um, sometimes I don't see the best decision-making out there. Uh, Merzikhanov, uh, you know, seeing that he's undefeated, uh, you know, he has beaten some guys, two guys in my uh, my opinion. You know, Muniz, um, you know, Mateusz Shuffle uh, is, is a pretty tough guy. Um, in, in my opinion, um, 
Guto in a cinch as well, uh, pretty decent. So I don't know. I, I think he's got, you know, he's a little bit raw. He's not the most technical guy either, but if things get nasty, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. Um, but I, I guess I'll go with the, you know, the guy who's been more consistent, certainly hasn't had the same level of, of um, fights that Devin has, but um, I'll go with Mirza Khan off here. Good stuff. All right. Co-main event in the UFC's featherweight division. Pretty good fight here. David Onama minus 195. Nate Landwehr plus 165. So Onama just fought, won by submission July 9th, 10 and 1 overall. He draws the 15 and 4 Nate Landwehr. He was to face Lerone Murphy back in March and actually Zubera Tahugov last weekend. Instead, he gets Onama. It's a big opportunity for both men. Co main event, Bri. Who do you have here? Nate the Train, baby. This guy. I love this guy. I want to see him fight in Columbus, and the fight got pulled. I was devastated. He's a cross between. A Diaz brother and three six mafia is what this guy's across between. I mean, the guy is electric in the cage, exciting on the mic. I love him. Two and two in the UFC. He did great stuff in M one. He was a champion in M one. Looked great. Hot high hopes for him. Put a lot of money on him in his debut against Herbert Burns. Knee changed that, but I think he slowly he, he changed up his game or his camp a little bit. Luva Klein his last time out he looked great. We all saw how good uh, Luva Klein looked against Mason Jones. That's a really good win for Nate. And he submitted him, but David Onama, this guy has impressed me from day one. He's a James Krause guy, really um, just still coming into his own, but big, powerful strikes. He showed submissions his last time out. And, man, I just I, I, I think this guy's going to be top five eventually. You know, if he's not top five by the end of his career, I'll get Cody's face tattooed on my ass. I'm a bold prediction guy. That's what's going to happen because like I, like I think this kid's legit. I think his, he's a little green right now. I, I think his striking's good. His takedown's good. His cardio's good. Gets hit a lot. Got to move that head a little more. Get, can't. Can't be willing to exchange in the pocket. But Nate the Train, he's a guy that likes to put the pressure on you, uses his cardio as a weapon, but he also gets put out early. Julian Rosa got him early. Herbert Burns got him early. I think if David Onama jumps on him early, I think it's going to be a problem. And I have no bones about it that I have been a biased capper when it comes to guys I like. And I love Nate the Train, but I just think Onama's going to beat him here in round yeah. one. Knockout round one. No bias here. Uh, I like Onama by knockout early, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play heavy on it too. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on that prop. Probably the props probably not gonna be as juicy as I want, but we'll get that round one prop in there. I like it, David Onama, the pick to click for Brian Petrie. And if David Onama leaves the UFC for good, or I guess retires from MMA and doesn't get top five, Brian's getting Cody Mero's ass tattooed. No, 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 he's getting no, his face, face tattooed on my ass. ass. That's yes. great. I'm actually against Onama now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Let's so. see that. Yeah, well, you know, Cody's a good-looking guy. I could have worse people in my ass, so. There you go. Ooh. All right, Kempflo, what do you have on the co-main, my man? I think it would have been really interesting if he got his, if Cody's ass on his face. That would, that would have been <laughs> That'd be uh, interesting. Really good. That would be that even would be more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Go Cody. Uh, Cody, can you send me a picture? Um, I'm on my way to the tattoo. Parlor. Yeah. My tattoo artist is uh, a picture of your ass. Awkward ass. Yeah. 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 Um, well, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm with Brian here. I, I think that Nate, uh, is very aggressive, but I think his style lends itself very well to a Nama who, um, I don't think he's going to have to go looking for a fight here. Uh, so I think it's going to be exciting while it lasts. But uh, I, I take Onama's power and speed here uh, as well. I, I think he probably gets the KO. All right. And as we get ready to predict our main event, 2022 records for you guys. Ken Flo, 63-35-1. Brian Petrie, 62-36-1. Pretty Ooh, incredible. We're right start. there, Ken Flo. I love it, babe. 
All right, I'm going to have Ken Flo lead points. Kenny's going to lead on the main event. Hopefully that is enough notice. Marlon Chito Vera, minus 210. Dominic Cruz is plus 180. Second straight UFC main event for Chito, and it comes against the former two-time UFC Bantamweight champ, Dominic Cruz. Cruz has won a couple in a row. Cheeto's won three straight. Marlon Vera, the most prolific finisher in UFC bantamweight history. I could say that twice. I mean, double underline it. Uh, and he's never been finished as a pro, Ken Flo. He's a two-to-one favorite here against Dominic Cruz, one of my best friends in the world. And I actually thought that Marlon might even be minus 240. That is nothing predictive about my statement. Um but I just think given what Cheeto has accomplished, you know, he deserves this distinction. What are your thoughts on the UFC fight night main event? I, I think it's a fascinating fight. I mean, could these guys be any different in their approach to mixed martial arts? Uh, Marlon Cheeto Vera is a finisher through and through. I love his style. Uh, always moving forward. Not the fastest starter. Um, but as AB was talking about earlier, you know, it's something I have seen once he gets his rhythm and he figures you out, watch out. Um, I think he's particularly a problem from that clinch position, uh, knee elbow combination, some of the best in the game, perhaps the best at 135 pounds. Um, and the way he walks you down is going to be a problem for a lot of people. The problem is Dominic Cruz isn't a lot of people. I think his footwork, uh, his speed, while it's perhaps diminished a little bit because of injuries and things like that, I still think it's good enough to avoid that forward pressure style from Marlon Cheeto Vera. And um, I, I also agree that the you know for, because it's five rounds Marlon has more time to adjust and adapt but you know assuming Dominic Cruz does what he does and is disciplined and um sticks to his game plan i think it's going to be hard for Marlon because sometimes he gets a little bit um he plods a little bit he gets a little flat footed uh and against Dominic Cruz he's constantly moving so if Dominic can zing in and out um, tag him, move, hit some takedowns when he needs to, land some ground and pound, get out, get up, get out, frustrate Marlon Cheeto Vera, and not get caught up in uh, you know the emotional part of the fight game. Uh, I think it's a good fight for Dominic. Um, I, I think his experience is significant enough, and I think he's going to be disciplined enough to be able to do that for 25 minutes. So um, I think it's an extremely dangerous fight. For Marlon, and I, I think the big question mark for me, um, you know, as I'm thinking about this fight, um, is is Dominic Cruz 100% healthy? It, it has his body held up um, to these brutal training camps time and time again? We don't know. That is a question mark for me. Uh, but I, I do think that Dominic Cruz's footwork, his intelligence, his experience is going to be the difference, uh, and will allow him to get a decision win. Uh, against one of the most dangerous guys and one of the hottest fighters uh, in the bantamweight division right now. Beautifully put, Ken Flo. I can't put it past Dom to lie to me, Bri, um, but he has been able to stack training camps and to get those hard rounds that really for him are absolute prerequisites to octagon success. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it'll be enough. Uh, I think anyone who listens to this show knows how much respect I have for Cheeto. I do think he's an eventual champion. Uh, but a huge test for him, obviously, coming up Saturday night in San Diego. Your thoughts, Brian, on the main event? Yeah, Kenny killed that. Kenny killed that breakdown. That was spot on. And, man, I, I tell you what, I respect J.A. so much. And Dom's his boy. 
And John, John, John's my boy. I don't, I mean, nothing's going to be disrespectful. And I want to clear something up. I was uh, critical of Dom's commentary. That doesn't mean anything of what I think about him as a fighter. I right. think he's the GOAT right. band and weight. Un, you know, you can't argue that. And I love his fighting style. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch. I've tried to emulate his footwork on the back poorly, but I've tried to do it several times. And uh, I think after he's said and done, the commentating and everything, but he also really needs to sit down with fighters, talk about the mental toughness, the IQ. What this guy's had to come back from is unheard of uh, every other fighter. Um, and, I, and, and, you know, so the, no biases side. But Dom come off a good one ever. Mino's got dropped, showed that toughness that he always talks about, and then went back and won the, the final two rounds in a competitive fight. I thought he won clear against Casey Kenny. I know they have a split decision. I thought that was a dominating win for maybe not dominating, but I thought he won all three rounds. And I thought that was a good win for Dom too. Casey Kenny, another up and coming guy, but you know, she doesn't a pocket right now. You know what I mean? He's just, and I've said that a few times about fighters. He's just feeling himself. He's good. I've seen some uh, clips on Instagram of him working the mitts and working, you know, little, uh, you know, training stuff. And he, he looks to be in shape. He looks to be focused, comfortable, and, you know, he has no shorter confidence right now. And it's going to be an interesting fight because Dom Cruz, his footwork still puzzles people to this day. People still can't figure out, even though it's a little slower than before, he's still giving guys trouble. And I feel like Dom's actually sitting down and committing to some of his punches what he wasn't doing in the prep pass. I think Dom is really trying to sit down, especially in the Casey Kenny and the Munoz fight. He was really sitting down. Both guys are nails. And uh, I think everyone said it. I think, you know, uh, Cheeto's going to drop some of those early rounds. He's, he, he plots and he slows and he gets his read. But when he gets his read, he's just deadly accurate. I mean, I don't think he overwhelms you with, like, power. Um, he definitely has power, but I think he's just so accurate and just he's made different. He took over 100 shots from Font, doesn't have a mark on his face. This guy's got fucking rhino skin. Like, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I see this being a very competitive fight. I just see Cheeto maybe dropping one or two and then and then taking over later. I think Dom's going to start wearing those leg kicks a little bit, start slowing down just enough for Cheeto to find his range. I think best thing for Dom is to mix everything up because I think Dom has a beautiful double, beautiful takedowns. He explodes in that really, really well. I just see Cheeto uh, getting it done in the later half of the round. I don't see a finish happening from either guy. I just see you know the clinch work, like Kenny said, those elbows are going to be nasty. Dom has some scar tissue, so... Really going to see what the judges say. I think it's going to be a close fight, but I'm going to take Cheeto here. Not overly confident like I was a couple weeks ago. He's not a parlay piece for me. This is going to be a straight wager, um, right. but I do like Cheeto winning this fight by decision. All right. Nicely done as usual. Hopefully a cut doesn't uh, become a problem. Wise point potentially on the uh, on the scar tissue on my guy, Cruzy. All right. If you want yeah. more from Brian Petrie, the MMA Takes podcast is weekly, if not biweekly, and you can find him on social media at Brian Petrie MMA. All right, my man, I'd imagine you're excited to watch this main event. Enjoy it, and I we will am. talk to you uh, in less than a week for uh, UFC 278, kid. Awesome. All right, boys, have a good one. There he is, Brian Petrie, with us for the main event challenge. All right, Kenflo's got a pack. Kenflo's got shit to do. He's going to get on out of here. Kenny Florian, martialarts.com. He will be all over the United Kingdom, so hopefully you can check him out. Today's show brought to you in part by UFC Fight Pass, the world's premier combat sports streaming service with over 200 live events, the largest fight library in existence, original shows and more. Sign up for one year and get half off for a limited time at UFCFightPass.com slash sign up. Speaking of UFC Fight Pass, Anakin Florian Rewind Episode 2 will be up shortly. We look back at Amanda Nunez's big win over Misha Tate at UFC 200 uh, with our own comedic flair. You know, hopefully you enjoy it. UFCFightPass.com. Uh, everything else right here for you not behind a paywall but you can see full episodes over on fight pass as well thank you to our guests brian petrie ray longo aaron bronstetter 
and of course our producer Cody Merrill. Ken Flo, wheels up, safe travels, my man. We'll talk to you on the other side, kid, huh? Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. All right, appreciate everybody listening and uh, watching and subscribing. And uh, again, eternally grateful. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, feel it. Hello, I am Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a clinical psychologist and collector of Chicano Latinx art. For generations, we have known of the healing powers of art at an individual and community level. Please join us as we interview prominent artists, collectors, curators, and influencers in the world of Chicano Latinx art. We will explore historical, regional, and political influences that impact Chicano Latinx art today. Along with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, we are preserving the colorful and rich history of Chicano Latinx art for future generations, one interview at a time. Please join us at Healing with Dr. George, the power of Chicano Latinx art, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.